And then you might ask, well, how do you know when is it when when is it safe and when is it not? And I would say it's again, it's 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 cultivating a relationship with your own heart that is actually the the the, the core because that that relationship is going to affect every other relationship in your life, whether it's romantic or or family or friends or, or just your relationship to life. It's going to be your, your relationship to what's happening right here. Hi everybody and welcome to the Two Lads podcast. This is episode 24 and this week we're talking to the husband and wife collective partnership Becoming. Formed by Azra and B. Becoming is a platform dedicated to providing the future stewards of society with the emotional intelligence tools to elevate humanity and co-create a more beautiful world. What more do you want than that? We went up to Malibu to their home. We had a beautiful conversation with them. We asked them their perspective on things like growth, change, um, pain, relationship advice for me mainly, and uh, amongst many other topics. Um, it was a really beautiful conversation. They are two beautiful human beings and we're really grateful to have gotten to talk to them and that they let us come into their world for the afternoon to pick their brains. So we're very excited to bring you this episode. Um, stick around, listen, see what you think. No more faffing around. Let's get straight into the episode. Here's episode 24 of the Two Lads podcast with Becoming. And for those of you listening to this podcast, here's a quick word from our wonderful sponsors of today's episode. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It is much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. The Two Lads podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash two lads. That's betterhelp.com slash two lads. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Azria B. Becoming with a Q. Welcome to the Two Lads Podcast. Oh, such you. an honor to be here, brother. Yeah, thank you for being here, guys. What a place this is. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely epic. Um, I'm a little bit lost. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? Yeah. Well, we are at our at our home. The second um, mountain. We second call mountain. It. Yeah, and the, the name came from a book with the same name, uh, written by David Brooks. And the second mountain is all about the journey from climbing that first mountain of traditional success checking all the boxes that society tells us to check, making the money, getting the status, whatever the thing is that you're looking for externally. And then for those that reach the summit, finding kind of like a moment of feeling like there's something, there's gotta be something more, like there's a deeper void that hasn't been filled. And then the journey to the second mountain begins, which is a journey into service and contribution, giving to others. So we wanted to anchor that frequency into this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is so... Becoming, um, I guess, 
I mean, we, we're on our journey of self-discovery, me and him. And this is part of the reason why we started this podcast. <clears throat> but, you know, when they say the work is never done. So is becoming that, is it just constantly becoming? Or are we going to become... <laughs> At some point, when do we and when do we become? Yeah. You never became, let's go that way. <laughs> right. yeah. When can we just have a break from becoming? We, we love becoming because it, it is never ending, right? We're always on a journey. We're always students. And it's really at the, at the core, it's a practice. Um, and, and so that's why we chose that name because it's, it's, there's no destination really on the journey of, of transformation. Yeah. Um, um, it's change is fucking hard, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you've come from a business background, right? Mm -hmm. And you're creative and, 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 and how, people want to change, but how do you change? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I mean, we're, we're all on this journey, but to me, I got to it through rock bottom, you know, when it gets really fucking shit and you go, this isn't working anymore. Let's try something different forced into it. Do you think that that's the only path ultimately? Well, we define becoming as devotion to the process of becoming the person you were designed to be by radically embracing your greatest challenges as curriculum and savoring the full spectrum of life and death. And so in that definition, I think it, it kind of goes to your question that the, there's this, you know, never ending journey of, of, of seeking that, that, that discovering who you were designed to be. And, but more specifically to the question of, does it always have to be hard? I think that a lot of times it is because we resist. Mm -hmm. I think it gets hard when we fight it. I think that it, it, the path of it actually being easeful is available, but because from almost like a biological perspective, we're so deeply programmed to try and stay the same because same equals alive. And according to our biology, it's like, well, you made it this far. Right. So as long as you stay, if you stay the way, even if it's, even if you're miserable, um, at least you're not dead. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the biology thinks about it. So, so I think transcending that mechanism and saying, okay, I'm going to choose to embrace change. Even if it scares the shit out of me, even if it's wildly uncomfortable, my experience is that in the practice of becoming the less I resist that natural organic evolutionary process that's occurring th as me and through me, the more easeful it can become. So even if I find myself in a very intense moment, if I'm just witnessing the sensation of the intensity versus creating a story around it or attaching myself to what I think it should be, then things are actually quite miraculous, even, even in the tough parts. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Totally. Yeah. It's a lot. It's interesting because some, some of becoming is removing, right? Like I've been seeing this recently is a lot of, of, obstacles that are in the way to becoming are things that have been you've learned during this i just wondered if, if both of you would talk about a little bit about what it was that needed to be removed for you in order to get to this place of being able to be of service to people you know like what was the removing that you went oh actually this is this is actually more me than the pursuit in the pursuit of this thing I think um, for me, th this work has really illuminated where um, the core shadow was for me. And, and I don't think I realized it as I was going through life, but I think 
as a child, I had severe learning disabilities and I couldn't read and it caused um, significant insecurities in me. Like I literally didn't, I read one book, I think through high school. And, and so for me, there was these walls and defense mechanisms that, that I kind of built up and I sought external validation through uh, entrepreneurial endeavors, through the conquest of women. Um, but I was seeking this external validation that could never be satiated. Like I could never fill that hole. Mm. And so for me, um, a lot of the work that I've done with, with the medicine and outside that work has been to, to kind of release this need for this external validation. And that comes, um, by, by learning to feel whole, right. And safe in the world. Like there was a part of me that scared little boy that couldn't read, didn't feel safe in the world. And so, um, I had to, I had to kind of release all that. And, and a lot of times, you know, there's different modalities that people use, you know, it could be, you know, talk therapy, it could be, um, meditation, it could be breath work. For me, what, what really got me over the hump to get, because our ego protects us and our ego doesn't want to look at those parts of ourselves that are scary. And so it doesn't want to feel those feelings. And so for me, you know, plant-based medicines have been a, ma- a major tool to get out of my ego and out of my conscious mind and into that subconscious mind to do that real deep work. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what was it for Shedding. you that needed to be removed? Oh, yeah. it, I guess I'm interested in your answer, especially because I'm, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're artists and I, some, I'm in the process of thinking like, fuck, why did I start doing this? <laughs> right. Was it actually for me or was it to just be doing the song and dance, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and to, like, I'm asking these questions now, of mentors because I, I feel like some of it feels a bit like I've been doing this since I was 10, you know, mm. and like what, what, how much of it is me and how much of it isn't. Right. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great question. I mean, for me, I think that you're, you're, you're asking specifically about like the creative kind of performer. Yeah. Like, the kind of outward yeah, projecting yeah, thing. Yeah. For me, acting specifically, which I dedicated a large part of my life to, was a way for me to feel feelings that I didn't feel safe uh, to feel in my, in, my, in my personal life. So I had this fascination with kind of the dark side of the human experience, but I didn't really have an outlet for that in my day-to-day reality. So I was always drawn to characters that, that were really going through some very heavy things. And in hindsight, I didn't know this consciously, but in hindsight, I think I was processing a lot of my own emotions through the vehicle of my, my art form. And when I would be able to completely morph into another character, I would feel like, like there was some kind of catharsis happening for me personally as well. The piece that, so that I think was really authentic. The piece that wasn't authentic that I had to shed and, and really let go of was the identity that I created around being an actress and the idea that I had gotten attached to, to what that should look like, you know, the successful Hollywood career that I was committed to manifesting for myself. Uh, over the years, I started to see more and more that there was this, I had bought into kind of this illusion that if I got to some place that was not now, I was going to find true fulfillment. And whatever that place was, right, whether it was the better agent or the better acting job or the, you know, co-starring opposite a celebrity or whatever the, the story was that I had created, it was all, it, it was all very exciting in the moment. But then at the end of the day, I would go home and I would still feel like something was missing deep inside of me. 
And I think what was missing was really the part of me that wanted to feel like I was living my my truest pur- purpose uh, and and fully expressing who I was designed to be. But to get there, there was a death process that had to occur for that aspect of my identity. And that's, you know, that's the, that's kind of the, the whole point of the becoming journey. It's like in the discovering who you were designed to be, you, you have to let go of who you knew yourself to be and who you knew yourself to be is certainly partly authentic to your truest self, but also largely imprinted by society conditioning, you know, what your parents thought you should be, what, what the world told you you should be, or what you just kind of fell into, right? That's also a lot of times where, where people are like, wait, is that really like you're asking that question? I think it's a powerful question to ask. Um, so certainly there had to be a big cracking open of that and a, and a deep release. And it was and a grieving too. Yeah. Real grieving. You, you, it's funny because you, you, I think that how we're conditioned when we're kids, when we're growing up is actually being true to ourselves mm-hmm. in, in that time we're responding to the reality of our environment and so those things those behaviors those thought patterns those conditionings that happen are actually serving us in in a form of protection and survival in the present of that of your childhood you know mm-hmm. it's 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 this we carry them into adulthood and then the environment's now changed but we're still running the old script of like wait a minute I don't trust you. You're saying this, you're doing that. Like, because, because when I was young, when I trusted someone, they fucked me over or they abused that power or whatever it is. So it's kind of like, uh, for me, it's honoring that in a child's wounding mm-hmm. that, that did his best to survive in an unsafe environment, let's say. And then starting the process of realizing that that's now running as an adult mm-hmm. and it's not serving me anymore. You know, but that what you're saying is is terrifying because you you're basically saying, well, listen, we're gonna have to shed that uh, shell now that you have the tortoise, you're a tortoise, and we're getting rid of your shell. And you're like, what? No, I, I mean, no, I don't want to get rid of that because that's what's protecting me, protecting me. Right. But you're saying, no, but we've got a bigger shell for you. But it's not, you know, you have to uh, get there, and there's a process of jumping off the cliff or whatever it is. And we, we've been talking about this a lot, which is ha- having the discernment of when it's safe to take the risk. It's a paradox, you know, because you, you're going, you've got to get in there now and you don't know it and it's fucking scary. And I can't tell you what you're going to feel when you get to the other side, but just trust me. And I'm going, nah, I don't want to do it. You know, no, no fucking way. That's what change is. That's what change looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you guys, like how, you know, in how, how do you trust that? How have you trusted that process? Oh, you know, for when you went from, right, I'm this guy and I'm, I'm this, and I'm changing my entire life into something that I don't know. And then look where we are. It's like beautiful and, and you've crossed through it, but how, how, how can you, can you talk on that a little bit? I mean, I think you, you use the word trust, which is a key word in all of this. Uh, and, and trust is really, something that you have to learn to cultivate. I think it's, it's, it's like, it's not something that you just innately have or don't have. It's something that you learn, like you can build a foundation of trust in your relationship with yourself and with life. And so I think that the the first question is like, well, what are we trusting in, right? Mm -hmm. We're trusting in the benevolence of the universe, like saying that, okay, if I'm going to make this 
this leap into a new experience or I'm going to let go of something unknown, right? Let's get tangible. Like I'm going to quit my job. This was true for me. I was working, I had a steady job as a voiceover artist and a, and a producer and a translator for E! Entertainment, which was a bread and butter job for me. It made me, you know, covered all my expenses and it gave me a lot of free time to do other creative things. So it was a real comfort zone. Yeah. And it was not my full fuck yes. Like mm -hmm. it was not my, my, my soul's deepest purpose, you know, to, to go and, and do this celebrity gossip work that yeah. I was doing. Um, but there was a huge attachment there to the security that came with it. And so of course my ego had a million reasons why I shouldn't leave the job um, or why if I was going to leave the job, I should create a, a sort of safe transition out of it into yeah. something new. And there came a point where I first, that's what I tried to do. Um, it was, and this all came after my first ayahuasca ceremony, which was really transformative and really showed me very profoundly and unequivocally that I was supposed to be doing something very different. Mm. <laughs> um, it does that. It, yeah, it, does that. <laughs> it didn't tell you this is it. Yeah, yeah, this nope, is it for you. Nope. You have made it. You've finally come to the peak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you shall be doing the voiceover work for Kim Kardashian for, for the rest of your days. This is it. You shall work for E! Entertainment. <laughs> but, the voice of ayahuasca, by uh, the way. <laughs> So, so you can't argue with that message, with that medicine. It's like, okay. So yeah. coming out of the ceremony, of course, I was like, yeah, I'm going to quit tomorrow. And then like two days later, I'm like, shit, this is really scary. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I justified it. I was like, okay, I'm going to stick or I'm going to stay in the job for as, until I've got my new thing going. My new mm -hmm. thing was going to be coaching, coaching people. Yeah. And so, um, I tried to make that transition really gracefully and I just, it just didn't happen. It was like. I wasn't manifesting the clients because I didn't really believe that I could. Mm. And so it was a real initiation into realizing how much the universe is a mirror and like it's constantly showing you more of what you already are. Mm. I, as long as I was holding on to the job because I didn't believe that I was ready or worthy of what I wanted to call in in, in replacement, I wasn't going to be a vibrational match to call in the, the new thing. Yeah. So th there came a point where that became really evident and I just jumped. I just quit and I had like $2,000 to my name. And I was like, I'm just going to, this is a sink or swim moment. I'm yeah. going to figure out how to do this. And so you asked about trust. Like a lot of times the play, the way to get to more trust is to make the decision that scares the shit out of you and mm. then face off with all the parts of you that are like absolutely certain you're going to fail. Mm. And then on the other side of that process, you, you come out on the other side with more trust. Because right. most of the time, in my case, all of the time, I've always ended up in a better place than where I, where I started. So I ended up spending that entire two grand that I had on hiring a coach. And I basically placed all my trust in her and in the process that she was going to take me through. Because I realized that I was asking people to invest in coaching, but I wasn't investing in my coaching. Mm -hmm. So there was another misalignment there. Mm -hmm. And when I made that investment and I went to zero, literally... I, there was nothing left to be afraid of because I was already living my worst nightmare. Like zero dollars in my bank account was the worst thing I could imagine. And here I was and I was still breathing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh shit, I'm actually okay. Mm -hmm. And I've, I built a, a first layer of trust in that experience and then ultimately manifested 18K over the next three weeks and like started realizing that, okay, on the other side of all this, you know, there's a more expanded version of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it took me going all in. Because the all-in moment is where the rubber meets the road. It's where you can't hide from yourself anymore. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I spent most of my life not really believing in anything higher, you know, spiritually. Yeah. 
And when you're in that place, it's really hard to feel safe in the universe. And so I feel like I never trusted. I felt like I always had to force mm. and, and, and make things happen um, in a very aggressive way. And through this work, I've really shifted that perspective. And now when I look at things that I have to take a leap or get into a place that's uncomfortable, I trust that either the universe is, is going to give me curriculum that I'm going to have to overcome that's going to help me grow, or it's going to open up the doors and the path's going to be easy. Either way, it's always working in my favor. The universe wants me to step into the highest expression of myself. Mm. And so that's a new feeling for me in the last few years. And it completely changes the way I look at, at challenges, at difficult times, at you know, those trust leaps that we have to take, because I know that if I leap and I fall, that it's the universe working for me because I needed to get from that rock bottom moment to yeah. grow into the highest expression of myself. And yeah. so that's my, that's how I've done it really. And again, the medicine has been huge in that. Mm. I would say, um, I agree with that. And when I was younger, I didn't have a sense of God or whatever you want to call it, spirituality. <clears throat> my only reference point was Church of England, kind of regular Christianity thing, which at the time felt a little controlly. Uh, Had some problems. But, but you know. Uh, just a wee bit. Just, yeah. just a little bit of shame <laughs> coming in. Um, but, you know, and I, but I also now, as I look back and the more uh, understanding of why spirituality has always existed, even in religion, uh, has been a sense of meaning for humans outside of this shit you know, materialistic stuff. And so as much as religion, organized religion gets a bad rap, I actually, you know, it's gotten us here actually on, on, to a point where, where then we just rejected it. And it was a bit of an overcorrection and gone like, right now we've got science and progress. So no more like woo woo God. Like that's not, that's no way that that exists because there's no way there's a guy up in the sky with a big beard going, do this and do that. But as I look on it now, I go, oh, it's just, mythology and and there's truth in those lessons and in and in and in spirituality wherever you pull it from and whatever your god is and i i'm just going to like plant medicine for me kind of made me go back to realize that there's to for me to believe in something outside of me the tangible whatever this skin suit is you know and, and all of that and and to me this seems to be a meaning crisis Mm -hmm. in society where we've lost sight of this higher self and and i, I want to say that god is love and love is god and all that but not in the cheesy sense of like yeah man it's all love like love's fucking hard you know and 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 god's hard and and and, and all this stuff which the the journey is like taught us you know to to see beyond this tangible thing and um I think that that's changed my entire perspective of my own growth. Mm -hmm. um, is that, does that resonate with anybody here? I guess the piece that doesn't resonate is, is that it's hard, that it has to be hard, right? Oh, that love okay. is hard. And that, um, that I think that the work, the practice is to get to a place where the curriculum that comes in, whether it's in relationship, whether it's related to love or whatever it is, that that curriculum, if you don't view it, if you view it as the universe, supporting you to grow into a higher expression of yourself 
it changes this perception that it's hard. Like when this this terrible thing happens, you're like, okay, wait, let me pause here for a second. And like, what am I meant to learn from this? When you look at it from that way, it stops getting so hard. Mm. And and that's a practice. It's not like something that comes easy. But I think with- Is that with, hard? <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> yeah, that's Doing that's pretty hard. Well, I was going to say, like, if you go to the gym, right, you've got to- You have resistance. You've got resistance. Yeah, you need the resistance to push, to grow. Totally. So, sure. so, so resistance never feels good yeah. to me. But it's also like, uh, I think- we can all relate to some, the idea of a lone, this lone wolfing it. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you both have a, an experience of this as you've both been lone wolfing it and in the control of the fall and in the control of this is what I, this is as far as I can get in controlling the outcome. Mm-hmm. And then for me, you know, speaking to people as I, realize like there are these tiny little moments in your life where you can either go toward the hardness of of control or in the softness of trust Mm -hmm. and those two little those two little moments that's the kind of the dance that you play all day with yourself in some way you know does this am I controlling this or am I gonna let this happen and like I'm only saying this because this is a recent thing for me which is and plant medicine helped me get there which was actually when you do spend these tiny little moments in the appreciation of, of just letting surrender and the softness coming out. Wonderful things happen to you. But that's but not... there's something. a moment right before you do that. <laughs> yeah. It's absolute terror. But, but, yes. but that's... But what I'm saying is you know it, it when you know that it's between softness and, hard, and the hardness of control. Mm-hmm. Actually, that moment, when you know that you can recognize it, at least then you can go okay, this is terrifying, but there's, there's a softness here that I can let happen. Yeah. I mean, all, I, for sure, for sure. It yeah. always pays off in the end. It always, there's nothing yeah. you regret by letting it, by making the leap. There's a beautiful uh, metaphor that comes to mind. It's um, of a, like a peach, like a rock fruit. And so if you imagine you're going to the core and you're, you want to get to the seed, the, um, the journey through the flesh is like, you know, pretty good, not too much resistance. Like you're moving, moving, moving. And then you hit that hard, like encasing, right? Like the, the, the pit that's, that's holding the, the new seed inside of it. And you can like, you can use all of your effort to try and crack it, or you can just stop and surrender. And then eventually the seed will sprout and it will come yeah. out on its own. And so to me, I think that's kind of what you're describing is yeah. yes, love can be fucking brutal can be ruthless just like nature right i mean if yeah. if i think the 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 cosmovision or the the lens on reality that a lot of people who work with plant medicine emerge with is really this felt understanding that we are all interconnected like that there is no separation between what we think is us and then the rest of life like whether it be plants or animals or the sun or the sky or the elements or the universe at large like we're all part of a larger living fabric that is intelligent and, um, and so just that awareness in and of itself is there's a, there's a relief in that, even though we are part of something that is sometimes terrifying. I mean, if you look at the way that nature operates, a lot of it's pretty freaking brutal. Mm-hmm. We're a part of that. And, and some of that scares us and it's, it's, it's much bigger than what our small ego mind can comprehend, but there's also a deep comfort in knowing that we are held by something larger than ourselves. So it's, 
I think it's, it's always the duality. And I guess to me, that's really the, the biggest takeaway from my work with the plants is everything is a paradox. Hmm. It's yeah. hard if you say it's hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's also sometimes just fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you know which, when it's, which one is it? <laughs> it's a, is this actually hard or is this yeah, not yeah. hard? Yeah. And what's that quote? Um, <clears throat> whether you're right or wrong, uh, you no, you're right. Uh, you're right. right. Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. So not everybody can be successful, right? Like in terms of in the world that we live in and we operate in, there's a, there's a hierarchy of, of society. It's the kind of nat the natural order of things, the um, survival of the fittest and all that. Like, and, and, you know, what defining success in a society like America, right? What, what that is, but how do just just your average person that's just still dealing with the same shit every the, to the most successful person in when I'm saying like financial or whatever it is we're all humans at the end of the day but we can't all win in that race how do you how do people that are just the real base base line of existence get how do you think that that is a how do we how do those people just start to be in acceptance of themselves without aiming for the stars. Like not everybody can win, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to kind of say, I'm just trying to get on like every human has their own experience, but not everybody can win. But how can you individually accept where you land in the world? You know what I'm saying? Like not everybody can have the, the massive success. You know, you just talked about yeah. your experience and gone like, you know, I did this and and then and then it all kind of clicked for me and here I am and it's great. Yeah. I'm just in a real, real world check-in here for just people that are struggling with their mental health on a real basic fundamental level. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all that. Like you can't be going for enlightenment if you don't have a fucking house, totally. <laughs> you know, so. What, I think I think what you bring up is really, is really important. And I think that there's, uh, when you say win, you have to look at like, well, what, what, what is the game that we're all playing? Right. And, and, and what is the core intention behind the game? And I would say that you're, you're absolutely right. We live in a society and a culture that is playing a collective game that is based on a principle of win lose, just like all of the games that we grow up playing it, whether it's sports or, you know, board games, it's built on this principle of there's a winner and there's a loser. Yeah. But that in and of itself, I think, is one of the systemic issues that we face because there's also a version of reality in which it's just win-win. Mm. And that's like a fundamental reframe where mm. it's not about having a winner and having a loser. It's, it's about us all realizing that we're all in it together. Mm. And so I think, again, coming back to interconnectedness, for the person who can't put food on the table, the luxury of working on themselves, right, doing... Yeah breath work or meditation or going to a retreat, like that's not yeah. in the realm of possibility. So there's a huge component to this conversation that is related to privilege. Right. And I think the, the honest answer is there's a rebalancing that needs to occur that will not occur until the people who have the privilege start to use that privilege and apply it to their own internal work so that they can do the the healing within themselves to realize that they are part of everything. And then they can start to feel an, a very kind of intuitive, innate and organic desire to be of service to others. Mm. 
and to make the circumstances for those who don't have that luxury better. Mm. So I do think that it, it the responsibility to to raise the collective up is lies in the hands of those who have the privilege. Right. <clears throat> and that said, even the person who doesn't have a pasta pit a, a, a pot to piss in has the power of free will, right? To choose their experience in every given moment. I think that's a Victor Frankl Victor Frankl quote. Yeah. Um, and he is such a great example because he was in the most, the worst of circumstances, right? Yeah. Being being in a concentration camp and yet finding a way to turn even that experience into something that was valuable and meaningful. Yeah. So at the end of the day, our sovereign power as creators of our reality is not dependent on our external circumstances. It right. is dependent on our internal narratives. Mm. And you two have proved that really. Like you know, is how much, what is winning? You know, that, that is a real concept that we are. We Most do and say, we don't because we have a lot of privilege too. You have sure, to, of course, you know. but like what, the win, what winning for people is this idea that there is something that they don't have, they don't have. There's this, I mean, of course, if we're yeah. dealing with like, real needs then that's one thing but it's like this uh, this hunger this starvation that we have for something else mm -hmm. um it's it's interesting i mean it's more, I, I, we're in you know we've been in 12-step programs it's like that's what everyone talks about it's it's this this it's <coughs> hunger that and and the the reason that 12-step works is because it's about community mm -hmm. and then it's also about service that seems to be there is no better drug than those two things that you can then use to go, okay, that's not winning. It doesn't mean it doesn't come up. I, you know, we still have it where we go, oh, could we, could we reach more people by doing this more, this thing? But it's a, it's a fucking really brutal part of being a human that that keeps coming up. But it, it's interesting to, to see I think more people get to that point and go, you know, some of those fucking miserable people I've ever known are really, yeah. successful actors or you know whatever yeah i certainly was i mean i was a really successful entrepreneur and you know having suicidal thoughts you right. know like so I've, I've been in that place and i don't think that you know, i did have a lot of privilege although you know we started with nothing um but th i think it's just re redefining kind of what success looks like and yeah. then also i think the suffering the suffering really comes when you're in resistance to what is so like the victor Bankel example like he wasn't in resistance to his circumstances, right? And so when, you, when you're either resisting what is or you're clinging to something, mm. that's when the suffering kind of comes. Yeah. And so I think that at whatever stage you are, the first step that we all, the, the practice that we get to live in is, is really being in acceptance of what is. That's that's the first place to kind start of there. start there. Yeah. <laughs> like this is what is. And, and when you let go of that resistance, the suffering kind of goes away. And then, then you can start building yeah. off of that. Mm. I was just gonna add one more thing. Um, going back to the game, like also getting clear on like, what is the game that you're actually playing? And are you playing it voluntarily? Mm -hmm. Or are you playing it because you don't even realize you're playing it? Like me trying to be a famous actress. I was playing a game that I hadn't, that I didn't understand the rules to. Mm. And when I finally sort of saw what it was, I was like, I don't wanna play this game. Yeah. This is actually not the game that I choose to play. Right. So awareness is a huge part of this as well, like illuminating, if I'm struggling, what is the, at the core of my struggle really? Mm -hmm. You know, is it because I'm so committed to being somewhere other than where I am? Mm -hmm. Can I make love to where I am, even mm -hmm. if where I am is really shitty? Right, right. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So I, again, coming back to like embracing what is, 
Yeah. But so there are, do you believe that there is still poles in the universe? The universe is the darkness and the light and, and, you know, you can't have peace without war, for Mm. example, you know, and, and that, that kind of idea of, of if everyone's winning, no one's winning. The right? utopia. What idea. what and then what is winning? You know, and and um I get lost in that a little bit because it's hard to know when that resistance is coming up. I'm going through it right now, actually, to be honest, in my life. And just mm-hmm. like I feel resistance to push beyond something that I'm uncomfortable in. But everybody's saying, if you do it, you're gonna break through the pattern mm. that you've been in but I can't see it because mm-hmm. I'm in it, <laughs> right? We can all see it. Everybody else can see the fucking blind spot, yeah. but I'm, I can't because that's my own protection. So, you know, th- these are like massive things that are, seems they're, they're actually really simple, but they're still hugely important in how you make the choices in your journey, in your life, you know, and, and coming back to change and like what, change actually looks like rather than just going like yeah yeah i'm changing man i'm doing that. i read the book and like i've got the fucking t-shirt you know and like, <laughs> all that shit and it's just like oh yeah because let's see how you are i mean it's easy to think that you've done the work when you're sitting in a fucking room on your own for six months crying right and like you're in a breakup or whatever you're feeling you're feeling all the feelings you're really hurt and all the things and then you go right I think I'm through it right and then you get in a relationship with someone and then you just start flipping tables again and everything's I'm talking about myself right now, yeah. by the way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like you can't know where you're at without a mirror mm-hmm. of, a, of a human yeah, in front yeah, of you. For sure. Right? So that leads me into... That's what I was going to ask. Oh, it's a segue, mate. Yeah, it's a yeah, segue. It's a good segue. Pro. I'm it's a pro segue. Is he going to do it? He's pro. Do it. Pro segue. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about relationships. So we've got a right. relationship right here yeah. that we can do dissect. Yes. Um, no, but I mean, I mean, obviously everybody's got their own ups and downs in relationship, but, but I, I'm like coming off the back of three years being single, mm-hmm. right? I was ghosted after two years of being with somebody, you know, completely ghosted. So a lot of, lot of PTSD kind of response to that, mm-hmm. that I've been, it's taken me three fucking years just to even think about opening my heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm now coming up against that thing again. And it's, I'm struggling with no, figuring out whether this feeling is the same fucking shit again, or this time I've chosen correctly and it's the growth time. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, your relationship in terms of how it, how it operates and when you know when you're in the triggers and how you deal with that kind of stuff? Or I don't know, just a general, like, you know, I'm just, give me some relationship advice. Please. <laughs> <laughs> just, please. I got you. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, such a beautiful question and thanks for the vulnerability. I think grounding it into a tangible real life example is always super, super helpful. Um, yeah. First of all, relationships are scary as fuck because you can't hide. You can't hide from yourself mm. and all of your stuff will come to the surface. And that's the gift in it. You know, that's that, that's the opportunity in it. So I guess, you know, two ways I could answer your question and I'll let you speak to kind of our, our personal experience of this, of, of, of how like all the stuff that came up early for us and the fear and the wanting to run away, especially for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there was some real like red flags that where he was like, am I, is history repeating itself mm, right yeah, now? Am yeah, I, yeah. should I be doing this? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I guess what I would say is 
the part of you that is like, even the way you phrased it, right? You're like, is this, is this the right, is this the right choice? I think is what you said, mm -hmm. or, um, like the correct, the correct way, or, or, or am I going to, you know, get, get fucked up again, basically. And I guess I just invite you to sit with like, even if it's the exact same thing all over again, there's a reason that you called that in. And if you can make peace with that and you can make peace with that worst case scenario happening again, only then can you be truly free to meet whatever this is fully. Because as long as you're trying to avoid that from happening again, there's a part of you that's not going to be able to all, lean all the way in. Mm. And that's the scariest thing in the world, right? Yeah. But I don't know if you want to share a little bit about. Yeah, I, I guess I'll say too that what came up for me when you were sharing it was I, I was in a toxic relationship for three and a half years before Azria. And uh, with the beautiful human, we just were just feeding off each other. And when I created separation from that relationship and when I, when I ended that relationship, I could have gone to court and like won a court battle on all the reasons why everything that happened was her fault. But as I created that separation, um, I, I, I was able to, to really see how I wasn't showing up in that relationship for that person to show up the way she did. Right. And so I think one of the things is taking complete ownership for every situation that it was co-created. She didn't ghost you. Like, yeah, you guys co-created that experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a really empowering because when you say she ghosted me and it was her fault, what are you? You're a victim. Mm. And when you're a victim, you have no power. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to have power in a situation is to take ownership for all of it, for co-creating it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that was really powerful. And then when we entered our relationship, uh, one of the things that came up was, um, you know, I, my previous relationship, I entered with somebody who had ended a 10 year relationship and a week later met me and we were like glued at the hip. Right. And she was coming out of a 10 year relationship and, and, and really questioning monogamy and like, do I even, what, what is commitment? And I'm not sure what I want. And I was like, wait, wait, I've, I've been here before. Like, do, I don't even want to go down this roller coaster. Um, but for me, the, would you know in all fear is really a feeling the fear of feeling something right and so it was interesting i said i went and sat an ayahuasca ceremony we met and two weeks later we were planning our entire lives together and right before and i invited her to go to tulum with us uh i had a thing i was going to summit and i i was like two weeks in i was like i think i met my soulmate and then oh shit like i think i need to run away from this person because i'm gonna get crushed yeah and so I went into ayahuasca ceremony and the medicine just showed me that this love was, was super powerful. And it, and it really highlighted for me that, that all these defense mechanisms are really fear of feeling something. They're insecurities, right? And so um, when I was able to let that go and just let those walls down, it was like, oh, I get to lean into this. This is, this is right. And all these red flags that are coming up are for me are my shit. Mm -hmm. Um and so when I was able to take ownership for that, and so that was really powerful and we were able to move through it. And then, then, and because of our medicine work, we just quantum leap that relationship so fast because every time the walls wanted to come up, the defense mechanisms that I didn't even see, yeah, it was like, they just fell. And I was like, oh, wow, this is powerful. So yeah, that, that's a little bit about our experience. But I think that the key is, is taking radical ownership for how people show up in your life. You're, you're either 
energetically drawing them to them. And I think what Azria's point is, is really valid is we have a chapter in our book where we say it's the dimension that exists beyond problems. And when you start viewing all this curriculum, like maybe like Azria said, the universe gives you the same situation again. Mm. Well, Wayne Dyer has a quote, life gives you the same exam over and over again until you pass it. Mm -hmm. And so like look at it and say, okay, like I'm not going to run away from this. I'm going to actually pass this exam. So the next one isn't this, this thing. And then when you do that, you have now this freedom. And now that energy shows up in that relationship and actually gives what's right in front of you an actual opportunity to succeed. Because if you have those fears, they're going to like, they're toxic to, to, to what you're bringing to the table. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely went through a process to understand that that was a gift ultimately. So I, I certainly was in the fear and the victim space for like a year, but I see it as one of the greatest gifts that I've ever had, but it was fucking brutal, you mm -hmm. know, and I'd never actually, I'm a recovering addict of, of, of everything, <laughs> you know, I'm even addicted to being an addict, you know, it's my fucking identity. So it's like, you know, when I, I've never really felt actually. Mm. And that was the first time I really felt, you know, we met very soon around that time, right? Just before yeah. it went down. And then yeah. and we both were going through breakups and that's kind of how we got closer and through, through, through journey work as well. But I'd never really been through that absolute terror. I didn't have a reference point for it. Mm. So and it just kept going. And that's why I'm, when I was talking about like just being in the room, crying and feeling, was that alone was unfamiliar to me because I've just run for the next relationship yeah. mm. or the drug or the fucking whatever it is, you know, the immediate fix to this deeper pain that you're running around with unconsciously, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Like if you, if you don't have a headache, I can't sell you an Advil, you know, that's my thing. So it's like, I've, you're walking around with unconscious pain. Mm. It doesn't show up like, you've been punched in the face pain. It's yeah. it's a different pain that you don't actually feel, but then taking a drug or having a toxic relationship or any of these things, all of a sudden it kind of makes me, it made me, it made me feel normal. Actually, it was com coming from a negative place into like, Oh, this is how I mm. show up in the world. Now I can actually walk in the room where there are people. Cause I've done like some Coke or like, I've got this hot girlfriend or whatever it is. Um, so, so I had to go through that process and I, I do really, I'm so grateful for that pain ultimately. But what I'm saying now is, is it's led me to this now. And it's now again, a surprise that well, it's coming up. It's again. coming up a fucking yeah, yeah. gen. Yeah. A fucking gen. You see what I put fucking <laughs> in the middle of the A and gen. That's how deep it goes. <laughs> I guess I just say, I go back to the definition of becoming that we share. It's savoring the full spectrum of life and death. And I think that in our society, there's this thing of like, I just want to be happy all the time, or I want to be up mm. here, right? Um, but that's not our human experience. Right. Our human experience is is ups and downs, and so the work that's 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 difficult and a practice is really embracing those downs and trying and really trying to savor them in the same way, because then when you're not in resistance to those feelings, they just flow through you and transmute. And so when you're like, okay, I felt this, that hit me really hard. Let me sit with that. Let me just feel it fully and kind of let it transmute it. And then when there's not that resistance, then there isn't the suffering, mm. right? And so I think it's it's being the practice 
is is being able to savor the the full spectrum of life and death. Yeah. Oh, you know, I have a question that's a, a little bit because you are our first relationship on here, oh, well. uh, which is it's we're in relationship. We are in a very deep <laughs> codependent relationship. <laughs> um, what I was going to ask is, you know, the the first part of a relationship, there is all these red flags. You know, there are all these things. Um, I'm interested for, it's actually when it gets into the middle part, right? Where you, the, the, the onus isn't, there isn't this big red flag. There isn't these big things. How to maintain this sense of going deeper with each other. I mean, you guys, you know, you both work together. You, you spend a lot of time together. So, and there are a lot of people in relationships who, who are, you know, they, that's their one person who they kind of have this thing with. And it kind of, just exists on this level and then over time something happens out of nowhere it feels like it's out of nowhere but it's actually come from a kind of something that hasn't been happening for the mm. whole time i just wondered if you guys would talk about how you keep that in your in your relationships so that there isn't that just like boop, i'm out you know this that feeling of suddenly someone's done something out of control or whatever it is I just beat her. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. You guys. We'll cut to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. Great question. I think that anything that appears to happen sort of randomly and spontaneously out of nowhere, it's not that, right? It's just, it's, it's like the iceberg, right? You see the, the tip of it, mm -hmm. but then there's all this other stuff underneath that deeper layer that isn't being looked at or isn't being addressed either within both individuals within the relationship or just the, the unit of the, of the relationship itself. And so I think that if, if, if you have two people who are honest about what is what they know and what they don't know about who they are and who are curious and genuinely open to discovering more of who they are and bringing more of who they are into the container of the relationship, you're, you're not going to run into those, mm. holy shit, that came out of nowhere moments, because those are usually um, at, at, at the end of a longer road of suppression, I would mm. say, mm. or um, denial. And I think that that's, that's true for a lot of relationships, you know, you have this honeymoon phase, everything is shiny and sparkly and exciting. And uh, my personal belief is that, that that's actually a gift to see the perfection of the other person, right? You're seeing them through, mm. science would say like rose-colored rose glasses, like it's not reality. Um, you're just, all of your chemistry is going nuts and you know, you're biologically hardwired to procreate. And so therefore you're seeing this person as perfect. But I would say like the true, the true essence of every human is perfection. Um, she just called me perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's just that we just layer, saying. we layer yeah. judgments and distortions on top of that. And so once that initial phase sort of starts to, once you stabilize in the relationship and it's not new anymore, mm. um, you often start to see these other facets and, and aspects of the person, some of which can be triggering or uncomfortable or things that you don't like. And then a lot of times the judgments come, uh, and the, the closures start happening. Mm. And then what, what is common is that those closures aren't addressed. Those judgments are kept secret. And then over time, the relationship, the magic sort of seems to trickle out. And it's like, well, what happened to this amazing connection? Now there's someone new that's more shiny, more interesting that I can start over with. Right. 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 
So how to avoid that in long-term relationship? This is a very important question that I think we as a species need to fucking figure <laughs> out. The <laughs> well, Beating seems to be the answer. <laughs> so she likes it, in, the yeah. right, in the right context, a little bit. <laughs> um, no, but, but truly like the, the key pieces here are the suppression, the unexpressed judgment, the, the, the judgment that's happening inside without it being taken, without ownership being taken for it. Um, and the closures. And so if you have two people who are committed to not engaging in those things, not that they're not going to happen, they're going to happen. But when they happen, how do you show up in the moment? If I notice that my heart is closing to him for whatever reason, yeah. instead of me projecting that outward and saying, oh, well, he's doing this thing that's making my heart close. And so, you know, fuck him. Yeah. How can I start to look at where's the part of me that's closing to love, period? Mm. And what is it that in his behavior that is triggering some part of me that doesn't feel safe to stay open? Yeah. Because usually the closures are coming from a place inside of you that doesn't feel safe. Right. So you close because you're trying to protect. Yeah. Um, the judgments a lot of times are really judgments of yourself that you're projecting outward. A lot of times the very thing that annoys you most about someone else is the thing that you haven't embraced within yourself. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right? Totally. So, so if you look at your partner as a mirror and you're like, wow, this person's showing me where I'm actually creating judgment internally, like, let me sit with that. Let me write out what those judgments are. I don't have to necessarily share everything with my partner. Sometimes it might not serve, but to be honest with myself about what, what is the story that's running inside of me? Yeah. Because that's creating my, my version of reality. I'll just add one thing. Jim, Jim Dethmer has a quote that we really love and try and live by. And it's, what are you willing to risk for full aliveness? Mm -hmm. And so in our relationship, what allows us to, to move through the things that she just shared is, is that any little thing that feels out of line, a distortion, a feeling that comes up, we put it on the table yeah. and we don't know, we, we address it, we talk about it. And, and at the risk of creating uncomfortability, right? And so we're always willing to risk anything yeah. to, to, to put that on the table and have, transparency and clarity in our relationship. Yeah. I love that. Um, so let me get this straight. You're, you're saying, and I, 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 I'm, I've tapped into this in, in journey space, but you're, are you saying that we are essentially like whole perfect beings, let's say when we're born in the world and then things happen to us, make us, you know, wounders put, put uh, holes in the armor and then we build these walls up. And so any time your heart is closing, you're, you're, you're in that space of shutting off your, your eternal light, mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what's occurring when any kind of rub is, a, is happening between in relationship, whether it's romantic or relationship in any way to mm -hmm. another human, you're basically shutting down your heart. That's, yeah, that's, I think it's a great way of, of putting it. Yeah, I think we, we also use this in, in our three stages of becoming in the third stage. I won't flush them all out, but in the third stage, there's a, there's a key question that we live by. And it's what would love choose? And so when you're in a situation, there could be a situation where we're in a relationship and the loving decision is for me to protect myself from you and distance myself from you. Mm -hmm. It's not always to open your heart to the person. Right but it's always to keep your heart open. Mm. And sometimes you keep you need to keep your heart open to yourself. 
right. and protect yourself. And so the key is, is having the discernment to know yeah. what would love choose beyond my preference, beyond your preference, mm. what is the most loving decision? And sometimes that decision is not engaging in, in that relationship, right? And so, but it's, it's, it's the practice of keeping your heart open. And then right. you might ask, well, how do you know? When is, it, when, when is it safe and when is it not? And I would say, it's, again, it's, it's, it's cultivating a relationship with your own heart that is actually the, 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 the core because that, that relationship is going to affect every other relationship in your life, whether it's romantic or, or family yeah. or friends or, or just your relationship to life. It's going to be your, your relationship to what's happening right here. Mm. And so I think that that's the missing piece. That's the emotional intelligence that we don't, we don't get that training in school. It's yeah, completely bypassed. And so we're really, a lot of us as adults are, you know, we look like adults, but from an emotional perspective, like we're, yeah. we're stunted, we're, mm. we're, we're kids, we're, we're immature because we don't, we've never developed that part of ourselves. Yeah. And I think that you can, and through acting, I don't know if you experience this, but as an actor, of course, your main modality with which you're working is your emotions, mm. right? You're using your emotions as your, as the way the painter uses the paint. Mm. Um, so you, you have to come in contact with your emotional landscape and, and bring awareness into that space. A lot of people never do that in their normal life. And so if you're doing that in tandem with a partner, it's a very powerful dynamic to create, to say, and this has, has happened, you know, often between us where it's like, Hey, I'm feeling this thing. I don't even really know what it is. Mm. I don't know if, if, if you're the one kind of creating this feeling in me, or if this is just my own shit that I have to look at, yeah. but let me bring it forward without accusation. Yeah. and not from a triggered place and let us like sit with it together and examine it together. And if we can be safe places for each other to do that, then every time we do that, we're going to create a deeper level of intimacy and a deeper level of trust. Mm. And through that, a deeper level of love. And then that feeling of like, Oh, the spark just sort of vanished can't happen because you're always rediscovering new dimensions of this person every day. Right. Yeah. You're like, Oh, you're a new person. So you're getting that new thing again and, and again and, and again. Yeah. yeah. It's so beautiful through just, putting it out the your own truth in the moment out yeah. there. Yeah, that's a really cool thing to think about. David Data has a really a chapter in his book and it's it's titled um, and I'll bring this forward is titled Women Are Not Liars. I actually read it wrong and I thought it said women are liars because because yeah. it works That's either it works it, it works either way. But also just the having the awareness that um and this coming out of my old my previous relationship, this this came up a lot was where um, something would come up. There was a, there was an issue and there was a contraction around something I did or said or something. And my logical mind would be like, that doesn't make sense. And here's all the reasons why. But also uh, I think it's really important to look at the, the thing that that's present that you're, that you bring forward uh, frequently we find is, is that the real issue has nothing to do with the thing that is brought forward yeah. and the issue that you have. And so when he says women are not liars, it's, it's that the, they're, they're mad at you for not taking the trash out. No, they're not. They're mad because you're not showing up in a way that allows them to, to potentially feel safe in the relationship or, or lean into it. Yeah. And so they don't, they don't even understand their feelings. They don't even know this is what they're feeling, but at a subconscious level, there's a feeling there that's bringing up, um, it is causing them to, and it, it, and it could, it's not men or women, right? And it, this goes both ways, but it's causing them to show up in that relationship in a way that, that doesn't resonate. And you're like, well, you're wrong. Mm. Well, 
she might be wrong about being mad at you about taking the trash out, but she's not wrong that you're not showing up in a way that allows her to feel safe in that relationship. And so she's expressing it in ways that she can't even understand. And a lot of times they'll come back and be like, I'm so sorry. I don't even know what I was doing or where that came from. Right. Well, there's something there. Yeah. And so I think it's not just bringing it to the surface, but it's, it's, it's having the awareness to go deeper and say, okay, like, what what's a layer down yeah. under this that's causing this? I really struggle with that. What's the root? I yeah. really struggle with it because I just get so, especially if it's some sort of accusatory statement of like, I'm doing something not right. And then it just triggers me into like a full yeah. thing of like, I'm not safe and all the things. What do you mean? And then I'm going, I am safe. <laughs> and I go, you don't seem safe right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like, you, like says this, you know, if it was the trash, you'd be like, I am doing the trash. Seven times. How many times do I just show you that? And so it's interesting because it's like, you're, you're right. It's like, you become a defense lawyer at that point. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, then you're actually on a whole other thing. That's but really I, about I, I think the real work for me, and I'll just speak to myself, but for me, I was the same way my entire life, super aggressive, a personality, whether it was my business or relationships, like, yeah. um, and for me, what caused me to soften was doing the deeper work of going back to that scared little boy that couldn't read and realizing that all those defense myths, all the, my reactions were coming from insecurity. Yeah. I didn't feel safe. And so anybody that was threatening that by saying like, you're not showing up this way, no, fuck you, I'm showing up, I'm doing it, you're wrong. Yeah. That's just coming from the scared little boy that couldn't read. And so the real work is getting there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not actually not actually him. Yeah. yeah not actually not actually even working on a real you, you think you have a relationship problem you don't you got a scared little boy problem and <laughs> and I, and I didn't have the tools to do that and the plant based medicine work is really what like ayahuasca just is what you know yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. We're going there. No, no other place to go. We're going there, right? And so yeah. that's how I was able to move through it, but I think it's also having the awareness of like constantly stepping back and saying what's underneath this mm. it's so fucking hard i mean it's so hard <laughs> to do because it's it I, appears so hard there's <laughs> part of me that wants it to be hard yeah. but like i've seen it man i, I totally hear if you want say- it to be hard it'll be hard <laughs> i totally hear what you're saying i know this this inner child little boy in me is 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 that's what it is i totally get it like i think my i've overcorrected a little i've got a bit what do I say? Preservation or reservation? But off the reservation. Off the reservation. You I've got a little off the reservation, off the reservation in uh-huh. terms of like lone wolfing in this like last three years of like, I'm doing the work. I'm going to be like independent. I'm going to start learning how to look after myself. I always had like a woman looking after me, you know? So like now I'm going to fucking figure this shit out, right? <laughs> and I've gone into like, I am man now, <laughs> you know? And so I'm realizing that it's a little uh, hard to get to me mm. now I've gone a bit too hard, mm. you know, mm. and, and softening, especially in the feminine mm. is fucking terrifying. Like we have a men's team that we do every Wednesday night and I've learned about intimacy and vulnerability it's, in the men's circle. It's a gay thing. Yeah. Leave your clothes at the door. <laughs> I mean, sorry, so yeah, yeah. my agent uh, <laughs> didn't know that, but just now. It's it's just uh, it's a uh, but in all seriousness, like I never really had uh, a reference point to like 
intimacy with men in like a being held by men and like men are really fucking safe actually mm. when you get into that space with them because as a man i want to be able to uh, release my aggression in a safe space mm -hmm. right like sports and all that has done it over over the years and stuff but for me i don't really do a lot of that so i get to do that with the men but it also has taught me about being vulnerable and being in my truth and saying this is what i just fucking did and it's a to i totally fucked up and not getting shamed by it but like what's going on let's get you further so now i'm stepping into the space of like right i need to go and be softer and vulnerable like i am with the men with the women mm. but it's so mad for me that now the women are the scary space and the men it's easier for me to be in that like strength vulnerable state you know and um yeah anyway that's that's fascinating yeah, yeah. i just I've, i i think i just got burned in a way that has just affected my perception of what's you know like the unintegrated masculine is violence you know somebody said this to me once a teacher and the integrated masculine is um uh, support and strength and and contain containing mm -hmm. and then the inter unintegrated feminine is manipulation mm -hmm. and and the integrated feminine is actual strength and power and and nurture and all that good stuff and i think i've just been in bouncing around all of the yeah the in unintegrated space a little bit and but also we've you know when we see every man has that in the men's team yeah. we do it every week so we the relationship you build is like oh this is people are all going through some version of of the trust fall that you're talking about but they're it's just it's really it is a process you know it's it's funny to see that process because we've done it now for two years we've run this thing and and just watching the evolution of what trust looks like actually and, and like you say coming to things it's funny because what will happen in the group, the group will be someone will be going through a crisis. People will be telling them really hard stuff. It's not about saying, you know, everything's great. It's like people are telling them hard stuff. They'll kind of try and integrate it. There'll be a rejection of it in some way. Then they'll kind of get their thing. And then everyone will be okay for a little while. And then somebody will go through their crash of those things. So it's interesting to see it, that it's a like you say, it is a continual process, but that, actually the only thing the consistency and trust and the community is really like what what has held us mm. in that process um yeah and and as, as watching you go through it and then watch it like well, we've all gone through it in some stage yeah and that's such an important piece to mention i think because you were saying like well how do you know right when when you're so in the pattern that you can't see the fucking pattern yeah. what are you supposed to do then and it's really like, who are the people that are closest to you that can see the pattern? Yeah. And can you trust them? Yeah. You know, can you lean into them and say, okay, like, I don't know what where up and down is right now, yeah. but I know that your radar is, is clear. Yeah. And I know that you, you get me and you see the fullness of who I am and yeah. you want me to win. Yeah. To use that word. <laughs> uh, you want me to thrive yeah. and you want me to grow and get through this. So learning to trust yeah. that which you cannot see yeah. both literally and, and metaphorically, I think is a huge part of this process and surrounding yourself with people who are able to see you because they're doing their work. Yeah. Mm. And so the importance of community and just those and, and tribe, it's, it's like, it's what so many people lack and yeah. why the journey of becoming is so daunting. 
because yeah. it's like, well, what is there to lean into? You know? Yeah. I don't have A lot have of people that. don't have it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what we've gotten out yeah. of that for sure. And, and also it's, I, I think it's true. I do trust myself. That's where I've gotten to. And so then when I'm make, executing a decision, I'm going, like you've said earlier, it's like, you're going to learn. If, if you haven't learned it, you'll learn it because it's coming back around again. You yeah. know, are you ready to learn the lesson yet? So I do trust the choices and the people that I've brought into my life at this point. And, and ultimately you can't make a mistake in your life ever. You just choose and do it. Mm-hmm. I understand the philosophy. Totally. I am also a human, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so it's, it's just that rub. So on yeah. that one. And also, I think, you know, for the speaking for the feminine here, I maybe mm-hmm. at this moment. <laughs> you're, a little under, you're a little underrepresented <laughs> at this table. Um, no, but I think that there is, you were saying the unintegrated feminine is manipulation. And I think that one of the things that I'm seeing in my community of women is really like women doing the work to understand how they're abusing their power. Right. And even for me, like reflecting on relationships I've been in and the hearts I've crushed, like pulverized, yeah. you know, and knowing that, that, that I did damage there that took years to repair yeah. and feeling profound fear of my own power because of it. Right. Like, like even in leaning into this relationship, I was like, I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. I know that I can have people fall in love with me and then I can walk away. Yeah. And that can leave such a mess. And am I willing to fully give myself to this, knowing that that part of me, that destructive aspect of me is, is inside of me. Yeah. Like I've, I have a whole history of that. And so it was like, yes, like for me learning to trust the relationship and learning to trust the commitment, but also learning to trust myself to not repeat that pattern. Yeah. And so I guess just speaking on behalf of the women I know who are doing the work, like you're not in it alone. We're trying to figure out our shit too. And, uh, and there's a lot of deep, deep wounds and deep pain there and a deep misunderstanding of how to use feminine power. Yeah, I agree. um, That is needing to come into balance. Yeah. I mean, that's true. And I think that, you know, as I see it, I mean, if you, you look at a man when he's heartbroken, it's we don't talk about that in Mm -hmm. society we don't we don't see what it looks like when you've got a man completely destroyed crying endlessly you know and he's nothing they can do about it because he's you know the power of the feminine is beyond actually that that's where i think we've gone (laughs) off what what the fuck are you talking about they already have the power (laughs) we made up rules and politics to try and fucking harness it harness the power of the divine feminine we're all from women yeah we were born of the woman you guys have the power this whole notion that women are not in power is is it's it's bollocks quite honestly yeah to me i see it as a little bit of a magic trick to Mm. keep us divided it doesn't it doesn't you know (laughs) it's so true it's true it's it's, it's a it's a it's a clever magic trick to go when we're looking at this is what was what is winning going back to what we're talking about what success is we, if you would just go, this is what success is. It's like having loads of money, being a CEO, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And now everybody's in that race to get there. And in order to get there, you have to play the game of this man thing, which men have gone like, well, we're going to do this over here while the women do this. And now all the women are going, well, we want to be that. So now we're going to be men. Right. And it's like, everybody's confused. Deeply. And like when a woman is in her power, she already knows. We all know. We all respect it. We've all got mothers, you know, we love our mothers, you know, and, and we love women. The men, you know, and, and so it's just a tragedy what's going on in the culture 
that is actually cleverly dis- done to divide us, divide and conquer. That's how I feel, not to get into politics per se, but it is culture, what's going on. And I'm just like, like the pa- what's real power is not touching someone at all and destroying them, destroying mm. their heart, destroying their life from not even touching them, right? I'd rather take a punch in the face any day of the week than that kind of power coming at me, mm. you know what I'm saying, in, when you're abusing it. So it's, it's beautiful to hear that you're doing that work with the feminine, with your, in, in your women's mm-hmm. community. Because mm-hmm. I think that that is a responsibility of women mm-hmm. to not just buy into this game of like, we're helpless and you're destroying our lives. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You already have the power, babe, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. it's interesting though, when you say that by in saying that though, you're also, uh, you're, you're conceding your own power. Like in the way you're expressing that. Yeah. That's where I go wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's beautiful to see women as powerful as long as it's, 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 it's not them having more power over you, which is the sense that I get when you share that. It's my, that's my overcorrection. That's mm-hmm. my reaction to go to, to like pointing a light, shining a light at this uh, fallacy. It, it mm-hmm. triggers me because I'm actually, I'm, you know, a, Look, as in the culture, I've noticed massive changes or, or tr- attempts to change this whole narrative in the last few years, particularly. And so even just going on a date now, like I'm dealing with the, some of the women are saying shit to me that, I mean, I lived in New York for 10 years. I've been here for 10 years. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, never talked about some of this shit. Just like the words like patriarchy right. and like, straight straight white men all this stuff coming at me while i'm trying to order a gin and tonic you know what i'm saying it's not really like connection material to now be some girls saying to me well you're just you know the antithesis of all evil you know i'm like check please you know so i I think it's you know and that's a reality and so i've gone into this Probably an overcorrection where I start well, it's wailing the, my hands around. All it's that the stuff. reality you're manifesting. Mm. So you're you're an energetic match to that. So you're manifesting that reality. There's all kinds of realities out there. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I just invite you to kind of look at where you're attracting that energy. Yeah. I mean, everybody says that on some level because it's like I've been the one in the team or like in my, in our, like he seems to find it. It's like a magnet. No one seems to experience it as much as like, so I think that is the magnet. They always look the same. That's why I'm attracted to them. (laughs) And then I go in there and I'm like, what? It's a trap. (laughs) Yeah. We've just basically gone into your psychosis. Yeah, this, like is, very this is a therapy session for me. It's perfect. We'll, se- we'll send you the bill. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about Jesus. sex. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a reality. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it sent me on this self-discovery journey, honestly. Yeah. All, all, what a all gift. We, we call that the gift wrapped in thorns. Right, yeah. But I see that. I, to- I totally see it. And I'm so grateful for it. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here right now. We wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. We were, I never even knew any of this shit. I was in a band, man. I was trying to be. I don't know what I'm doing here. I've got absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, other than my own experience, and then everything that I've gone down the rabbit hole of, like, whoa, this is interesting, and like philosophy, psychology, spirituality, all these things. Like, whoa, this is all fucking there, and now information's so accessible. You know, I can go on YouTube and watch a lecture 
from Stan- from Stanford or Harvard or go and watch Carl Jung, you know, videos and like I receive information much easier in that way. I I can't I couldn't read man like at all. I never read books when I was a kid. Mm. It was very difficult for me. I was dyslexic, all that kind of stuff. So like getting all this uh, access to all this cool info and just data that I'm just putting into me is like it's it's actually fun and it's creative actually. I love philosophy because it's creative. Essentially, you're just deciding on something and that's the way we do it but i think this is how we do it now but that's philosophy you know you just take somebody's idea and this guy's idea and then make your own idea up that's all we do yeah it's all made up it's all made up yeah yeah you know everything which is fun Ezra, do you miss yeah you just just one second can i just um (laughs) do you it's all right do you miss um how how do you express your uh, artistic self now do you miss that mm. and and um i'm asking for a friend do you, <laughs> are you uh, are you like actually i don't miss that at all great question i are mean you're gonna sing for us yeah oh god uh new 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 aspects of my of my artists are coming online music being the most recent expression um and no i will not sing for you oh. on this particular <laughs> podcast but um but yeah, I, I don't miss it because I have, I'm doing so much of it mm. just in a different context. So, yeah. you know, I was talking about the game earlier of Hollywood, which is like, okay, you have to like prove yourself. You have to go in the room. You have to blow them away. You have to book the audition. You have to, you know, say the words that someone else wrote and then you get on the show and then you put something on your resume and then now you have more credibility and then you do the, do it again. Yeah. Um, so that's the game I was talking about. And certainly I, there was joy in that, but it was never really deeply fulfilling because there was a part of me that always knew that there was more to what I had to say and give to the world that wasn't, couldn't find an outlet through that game. Yeah. And so now I'm very, I would say I'm more creative than I've ever been. Um, and more empowered to be creative than I've ever been because I now finally, after many years of being a starving artist, have the resources to actually create. Mm. Um, But I'm realizing that the most authentic expression of me as an artist is really me sharing my personal story and and shining a light into the areas, into the topics and the subjects that most people would shy away from. So I'm very drawn to the taboo and whether it's sex or psychedelics, um, money, you know, these are all subjects that, that, that are complex and a lot of people avoid. And that's where I find my artist gets most activated. And so if you read our book or you watch any of our content, we, we have what we call media as medicine content that we produce, um, which is mostly documentary right now, but will evolve and be scripted eventually you'll see that theme and that pattern show up mm. again and again. It's it's like what turns me on as an artist is talking about the thing that people are too afraid to talk about. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, and so that's very alive and, and really feels more aligned and empowered than ever. It's interesting because, you know, reading the book and, and also what you guys offer, right, which is I, I think that the message is interesting because it's, it's for the kind of the CEOs of people who, who are like, oh, I need the second mountain. They've gotten to this thing. But I was going to say that for me, uh, I was wondering how you, because it's quite, an, you know, it, it's an expensive um, thing to really engage with, you know, that your platform in the way that it is. That actually, I think that starving artists really do need this, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I was just kind of thinking, God, I would love to do, to do this. 
And luckily, I mean, I, I have the, the means, but now, or, well, I say that and you fucking never know. I'm always unemployed at some point. And like, <laughs> you know, oh my God. Um, but starving artists, I think, do need that as mm-hmm. well. So I just wondered, like, how do you tackle that? Because I know that you guys have to have, you know, you have to be re- rewarded for, for the work that you're doing, but also there are these people that probably really do get the taboo. And, and also you probably save a lot of people like artists who are in Hollywood kind of going, Oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well, first of all, I wouldn't say that, that the, the word rewarded doesn't feel true because really we consider ourselves stewards. So any proceeds that come in, like the money that we make off of any of our <coughs> offerings are more like, you know, official course programs mm. is all going to be stewarded back into creating more content that is going to hopefully have an impact in the yeah. world. Um, and, and so that's, that's a, that's one piece of it. The other piece is that the, I I've been grappling with exactly this too. Cause I'm like, I want to serve mm. my demographic, right. you know, I'm, and I'm not, uh, my background is not a successful executive CEO. Sure. Um, uh, so I very much relate to what you're talking about, that person who who has all the ingredients, um, but but is missing the financial resources. Mm. So that's a huge part of our mission with Becoming is to create so many different access points for people. You know, the book is 20 bucks. Um, yeah. That can already kickstart you in a pretty significant way. All of our digital media content is available through our website. People can absorb that. There's a lot of good medicine in there. Um, and then we're going to have different levels of course offerings um, yeah. that we're building out. So it's not just the CEO. It's yes, that's one of the programs. Yeah. But there's there's other tiers and access points that are more affordable. At the end of the day, <coughs> people have to invest in their journey, right? Sure. So, so there has to be some level of investment. But but certainly meeting people where they're at is is yeah. important. We have three different course programs that people can, we call them the becoming process, and one is. Uh, really design it's called this becoming stewards is designed for my archetype who i was five or ten years ago mm-hmm. but then we have another one that's designed we call it the becoming allies it's designed for who Azria was five or ten years ago which is exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. which is designed for somebody who's for me uh, for the stewards bucket mine um or representative of who i was um it's designed for somebody who's had a lot of material success in the world mm. and is is really on that transition of trying to figure out what's next in their life and find fulfillment. On the other side, it's it's for that person that's heart-centered, wants to be of service in the world, but hasn't had the material success, sure. but needs really training on how to embody that and to, to ground their uh, vision into reality. Mm. Um, and then we have a third bucket that probably won't launch till 2023, which is called the Becoming Inspired, which is really for people who are just starting on the personal development path. Right. right. So we have three different containers cool. to to support. That's really that. cool. That just it's such a that's such a gift because <clears throat> like you know it is this is a you know the reason that we did this is for a start people starting in this yeah, yeah. world, but yeah. also like. It's for people, sometimes you're loneliest when you are the, st- the starving artist. And when you are, you know, you like you say, you have all the raw materials of this thing, but you just mm-hmm. are like, I can't get my life together and not enough to have the resources to do it. So it's cool that you're doing that. Also yeah. artists, we don't get taught about money. I know. You know, and That's like, we've crazy. got this thing of like, oh, it's bad. So yeah. like, we just, as long as we can play the guitar, just <laughs> keep doing you, that. you worry about the money. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and maybe you could actually talk on that a little bit in terms of like the holistic relationship 
to to money because I, I I've that's one area that I've definitely struggled with. Oh man, I I have others. a whole. I have a whole module on (laughs) that called money medicine. Um, Money was such a teacher for me because Mm. I never fucking had it. It was like the most elusive thing. I was like, all I want to do is make art. (laughs) That's all I care about. But movies are expensive. And so I could write my own screenplays. I could produce my own short films, you know, with, with, with friends, but I could never get to that next level of like really doing a professional production because I couldn't pay people. Mm. And it was so frustrating and for a long time, I played the victim in that. And I felt like it's, you know, if only we had a different system and fuck the money and fuck the people with the money and yeah, <laughs> like that right. whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I was, you know, eventually I realized like, okay. She's now fucking the, the yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, That's how I do it. Just get yourself a sugar daddy. Yeah. I mean, come That's on. No, but I really, I realized that, okay, that, that narrative's not getting me anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So do I believe I have gifts to give? If I have value to give and I can solve people's problems, which I was starting to realize I could because I was starting to coach people just organically, um, then the moment you have that, you have a, some kind of business, right? Yeah. And so that first coach I mentioned that I paid every dollar I had, the reason I did that mm-hmm. was because I said, like, I don't know how to run a coaching business. I don't know how to charge for my work. Um, I don't know how to have conversations with people about money. This is deeply uncomfortable for me. It feels mm. very vulnerable to be like, hey, you want to work with me? This is what it's going to cost, yeah. you know? And in any substantial way that would allow me to actually like pay my rent living yeah. in California. So um, she really supported me to break through all of that and reframe my relationship to money in a significant way and start to see money as energy, first mm-hmm. and foremost, yeah. Um, yeah. which is such a basic thing that yeah. it's easy to gloss over. But if you really get that- yeah you let this whole, all this baggage that money has just kind of evaporates. Cause yeah. it's like, oh, it's just energy. And yeah. what, you know, the more energy you point at something, the more it can grow. Mm. Um, so when I saw the power of the investment that I made into myself and the payoff that it gave me, it gave me that felt visceral knowing that if I asked someone to do that, to invest in me, and this could be for an artist to invest in their, their project, you know, in my case, it was my, my coaching services. Um, because I was so, I felt so, so deeply and viscerally the true power of the result that could be created mm. and how money was an important factor in that transformation because it was this person's making an investment, like taking a risk mm. and putting something substantial behind what they believed they wanted. Mm. And it was that connection to see how money could be an ally. Yeah that started to reshape and reprogram my relationship around it. And then there's many other, you know, I, I spent a lot of time like literally rewiring my belief system around, around money yeah. mm-hmm. um, because I knew that what I wanted to create was so large in scale that I was going to need many millions of dollars to do it. And I was so far away from that. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to need to really <clears throat> up-level my yeah. belief of what my container can even hold. Right. You can't even you know? like conceptualize no. that. You know, hundred thousand dollars seemed like a like a yeah. lot of money to me yeah, for a yeah, long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. So it's all relative, yeah. right? What makes it relative? Well, what you decide that it should be. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's such a cool thing. I mean, we're at that stage a little bit trying with to this, get past which that, is, yeah. we, you know, we're trying to lean into something, but there's no, you can't it's the same thing about the risk. You can't lean into it because you're like, well, we don't, we don't, 
we can't leave our jobs to do this yeah. because how do we do it? when we you say lean money. into it you mean the podcast yeah. well yeah, the, the two lads and, and doing to helping people you know, doing yeah. our, our thing it's like it. it's so hard to lean into <laughs> that because we've got to make you know it's also grappling with like money and then helping people yeah that's yeah. a tough one it's yeah, like really hard. Uh, you know you know but the thing is you're not you're but he's not, not got a problem with it yeah. <laughs> yeah, i'm just saying it doesn't have to be hard i'm like yeah. <laughs> i think i think this pod, it, the podcast title should be it just doesn't have to be hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no i was gonna say you get past that when you realize that you're not helping them right you're holding the space for them to help themselves and the way they do that hmm. is to let money in yeah. right no matter what you're doing in your life having more money will probably give you more options. Right. Money, it might buys you freedom. Right? Well, I wouldn't say that okay. because I think that's a belief system that, that, that is actually, there's a distortion in there. Okay. From a material perspective, yes. But internally, your freedom is yours. Right. And that can't be determined by anything external ever. Mm. So I think first of all is like separating those two things. Mm. Like my true freedom is innate. It's who I am. Mm -hmm. And if I can really know that, then I can start to play with the material freedom that money can give me. But mm. they're kind of two different things. Right, right. Fair enough. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The other piece there is <clears throat> when you're taking money from somebody for something, a service of some sort, um, you're using the word take, like, right? Mm. And, and you're, you're really giving them an opportunity to invest in themselves and invest in something meaningful. And it's actually a gift you're actually not taking anything from them. You're giving them yeah. a gift. And so I think reframing it from that perspective yeah. makes it, allows it to be easy. It's an I, think it's a, I think that's a, touching on the trusting that we're actually We've got something ready to, to uh, actually have something to offer, mm. you know? And like, I've no, I mean, I've been a musician all my life. So I, that's what I've done since I was 16. That's my career, before, you know, and I've spent a long time working on that. So I know that I'm good at that. And right. I, I know how to do it. And so when I'm in that session or I'm doing a record or whatever I'm doing for the person I'm doing it for, I'm a producer, I, I know that my value, I know my value in that space. Right. So I just, the, the, there's a leap jumping thing. I'm, I'm resonating with your story because, yeah. you know, that's, I actually want to do that. I want, I'm, I've been gravitating to wanting to coach and we've been talking about the brand of two lads, what that is for us, like, and how we do the work, you know, in our version of it, which is, you know, boots on the ground. Like, what does it look like for lads that don't know what the f anything at all? Like, how do you help people mm -hmm. in that way of like just grappling the shit that I wished I'd had as a mentor? I, I wish I had a mentor when I was 15, 20. You know, my father didn't do that for me. And so, yeah, we, we're still trying to trust what, we, what we're doing. Quite yeah. honestly, yeah. you know, what a beautiful place to be, yeah. to to be kind of push pushing out of that comfort zone and really stepping into the high higher expression. Yeah, mm. um, it's a really it's a blessing and a gift. There's also a nice lily pad that you can use during this time because if the certainty that what you have to offer is like really valuable, if that certainty isn't 100 percent embodied yet, yeah, you want to cultivate that, right? Mm. You want to build that certainty just like you did as a musician. Mm -hmm. And so one way that you could do that is you could, if you, let's say you have someone who wants to work with you, who's drawn to your guys's energy and is mm -hmm. like, I resonate, I wanna go deeper. You could say, listen, 
we're, we're in an in-between stage, right? Where we haven't like made this official yet, mm. but we want to start doing the work. And so we're going to run this on a free will investment model. So this is not free. This is going to cost energy on our end and on your end, but we're not going to put a specific, specific price tag on this. Mm -hmm. This is what we will probably be charging once it's, once it's official, just so you have a ballpark idea. But why don't you go through the process with us? And then at the end, you can decide what feels true to you mm. to pay. And I've done that over the course of my career. And it's been really powerful. Mm. I actually started doing it later. I didn't do it in the beginning. I did it later. Once I had, once I knew, like once I really knew what my value was, yeah. because I knew it was so, what the work was so powerful that I didn't have to charge a specific price point anymore. It was just like, I want to do this work with you and you're going to pay me whatever feels true. And it ended mm -hmm. up being a lot of times more than what I would have charged. Mm. Um, but, but in that transition, that's a nice way to get started because then once you start doing the work and you start seeing the results viscerally, yeah. then it's going to be like, okay, this obviously is viable, you yeah. know? I like that. That's how we run our program as well. Yeah. We ask for a financial deposit to make sure they're serious, but um, people who graduate our program, the six month program, they get to decide what they pay for it at the end. Yeah. Mm. Good shit. Um, I guess one last thing mm -hmm. um, is what? Where are you guys going? What's the next thing for becoming? Where? What, how, where are you? What be are you becoming? What are you becoming from now? Like, what's in the pipeline? What's anything happening? fun? And where are you? Where are you headed? I know you're moving around and stuff. So, anything you want to mm. like fill us in on? Well, by the time this podcast come out, the book will be out. So our book is 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 our next big focus. I mean, we spent the last almost three years writing it together yeah. and um, sharing that with the world is really exciting. Mm. And then we're launching our, our, our courses officially. Um, we've been doing the work already, but now it's, we, we went through a rebrand. And so mid 2022, we'll have, we'll be starting that process. Applications yeah. are going to open very soon. Um, They're open then, as of today. That's right. As of today, really? today, yeah, I think we, we just updated the, our website, the website. Oh, yeah. so the we're taking applications for okay. the next. That's is right. that for like the retreats and things yeah. that you're doing? Lengi and I both are like signing up. We're in. We're <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's, there's, like you said, there's three versions of the process. Some of it includes retreats. Not all of it does. Depends on the the, the offering. Yeah. Um, so, but then we're really in the wind because we're moving out of our home to do a really massive remodel for a year and a half, and we're going to be moving from a over 6,000 square foot house into a 200 square foot Airstream. If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we like extremes. We've, we've learned yeah, this yeah. about ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, so that's really fun. And then we'll be traveling the world. We're going to be just letting the wind take us a bit and guide mm. us. And mm. uh, other than facilitating our programs, we really don't have any specific place that we have to be. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll just be continuing to create and sharing our content with the world. Yeah, uh, we we have the two documentaries coming out, and then we're also um, building a retreat center that'll open probably in twenty three. Um, so yeah, it's super exciting. The book's called Becoming with a Q. Everything you didn't know you wanted. Yeah, thank you, guys. I mean, it's such a it is a real pleasure to chat mm -hmm. to you, and yeah. we've gotten so much out of it. And we were kind of like, what do we? How are we going to approach this? And like, and it's just always one of those things that whatever you resist is the best. Yeah. That's always the best kind of version of it is, is you kind of go into it, and it's just uh, such a gift to hear your journey with it. And we yeah. appreciate you. It's being super inspiring. It, it is. is actually, it is. Yeah. It's really beautiful, and we really appreciate you uh, talking to us. And I guess just to give you a reflection, I've listened to a few of your podcasts in preparation for this, and like, I really, really resonate with the way you guys show up. It feels so authentic and. Uh, I think you guys are going to just crush it. So 
blessings on your journey. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of the Two Lads podcast with Becoming. Hope you got something out of it. We certainly did. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe, like, hit the notification bell if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening to this podcast, please give us a five-star review and leave comments wherever comments are available. Hit us up on Instagram, all that good stuff. We love to hear from you. Um, we've got one more episode left of this season. It's coming next week and I think you're going to like it. Uh, I'm very excited um, to have our final guest be who it is, which I'm not going to reveal now. So stay tuned. Keep an eye on Instagram and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday for the final episode of the Two Lads Podcast Season 2. Big love to you all and until the next one, yes lad. Yes lad.